Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Coming to you live once again right here from Studio B in Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have everyone with us this morning for another installment of the Raven Institute of Ministries and Biblical Studies expository teaching throughout the book of Romans. If you are joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute. And uh, I'm just glad to be here. Amen. I'm Pastor Troy Bond, the Executive Director of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries, you can actually go to our website, which is uh, Deb is so faithfully putting on the screen, www.biggrace.com, www.biggrace.com. And check out the things that we're doing, uh, not only here in the Daytona Beach area, but uh, all across the United States and into Canada. And expanding outward into all of the nations. <clears throat> we got some real neat things coming up if you're listening to us live. This is actually class 135 in our teaching on the book of Romans. And we're making, making some headway into some good things. And so I appreciate so much for, of you that have been joining us for week in, week out. And if you are not, if you haven't been here with us and you want to, to get some of these teachings, these are available on our website by going to biggrace.com and clicking on Raven Magazine and getting the updated things. Actually, uh, thank you so much, Lucy, uh, right there that you see on the screen. Her and Pastor Sam head up Raven East Coast out of Pennsylvania. She actually sent me another place that I just uploaded it's the, the links in a different format. The one that we were using, it's free. We like free. Okay, Free is always good. But it began to put all this kind of uh, raunchy advertising on the pages, and I don't like that. And so we're actually, I, I uploaded the last three classes with this other format. So they're there, and it doesn't look like it has all that wicked content around our classes. And so uh, thank you so much, Lucy. And we're actually, eventually we're going to put that on our, through our website, but I'm just getting the added bandwidth that's going to be necessary for that. But they are there right now. And so you can download our previous classes in MP3 format onto your computer, and you can use those any way you want to. There, uh, there's no charge in it. Uh, there's no copyright. Take it. Put your name on it. Make a Frisbee out of the CD. Whatever you want to do, uh, just get it get it in your heart and get it in your mind. We're just glad to be able to do this uh, for the kingdom. Also, I was talking to, I believe it was Pastor Meredith yesterday, I was talking to you about once we finish up the book of Romans, we're going to tackle a couple smaller books. Probably the next book we'll ta- tackle is probably Colossians. Colossians is a short book that we'll be diving into, but there's so much in it. And so it's, it's not something that's going to take hundreds of classes to do. Then probably next fall, after we do a, a few smaller books throughout the spring and summer, we're going to tackle the book of Revelation. One of, my, one of my favorite books, I think because it's so misunderstood and people always think it's about the Antichrist. Actually, the Revelation is the Revelation of Jesus. Yeah, the book of Revelation. And so uh, we're going to tackle those, uh, what, 22 chapters of the book of Revelation uh, beginning in the fall. And, and hopefully it will give you a really a neat picture of it. And it, you know it's the only uh, book in the, the scripture that has a promise attached to it of being blessed as a result of studying it. And so we're going to tackle that and just see why that is. And so thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, if you have any questions about what we're teaching today, please hold off until the top of the hour and I will stay and answer your questions any way that I can and would love to do that. Uh, Then we'll post a phone number at the end as well if you want to call directly in. Or you can call in through our Skype line, which is 1-GO-ZAP-SOULS. 1-G-O-Z-A-P-S-O-U-L-S. That is our telephone number, whatever the numbers are for that. One goes up souls is our is our Skype line, so you can call free from that if you've downloaded Skype, or you can actually call off your home phone right onto our uh, program here as well after the the top of the hour. So thank you so much for for being with us. We got some things coming up uh, tomorrow is our last class this week, and we will be actually out of studio uh, uh, in this format for two weeks in preparation for our, our outreach to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. This is actually going to be our 12th annual uh, Mardi Gras outreach. We take teams in there since 1996 and preach the gospel, and we always see hundreds of people come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so some of you folks that are with us are off, uh, on the program daily are actually going to be with us uh, during the uh, Mardi Gras outreach. And so thank you so much for, uh, for just your involvement and your willingness to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're going to be broadcasting uh, much of our outreach live from New Orleans, uh, from the French Corps, from uh, uh, Bourbon Street, from the housing projects. And so be sure and keep an eye on our, our profile and go to our website and you actually see some of those times and exactly the things that we're doing. Uh, well, I love this because it provides such a training uh, arm of the ministry to show you exactly what's going on. Uh, how, do you, how do you engage somebody in a, in a witness? How do you just approach somebody in an environment like that? You're going to get to see that in real time, uncut. And so uh, 
uh, we have a station here that says safe for the little ears. This may not be safe for the little ears because, folks, listen, out in the real, real world where people are, are dying and going to hell, uh, there's, there's really tragedies and things going on. So get ready for what it is. The ultimate in reality programming, uh, kingdom style. So we're gonna, you're gonna get to see some neat things coming through the program over the next two weeks. So appreciate you, you being with us. And, uh, you guys, if you're, if you're out there, you want to be a part of that, please show up. We'll give you a place to stay and feed you some nice, great meals, and you can be a part of our team going out there and winning people to to the kingdom as well. So it's coming up. And so be praying for us, and we appreciate those that you can't can't be there physically. We sure appreciate your prayers. And uh, our motto for this year comes out of James 5.4, and it's the, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord God Almighty. And that's out of the second part of James 5.4. We believe that as we've been crying out for the harvest, uh, according to, to, to Matthew 9.36, that men, the Christ have reached the ears of the Lord God Almighty, and we're going to see a tremendous harvest coming about over the next uh, couple of weeks of ministry. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask for His blessing here today. I want to just welcome everybody. Uh, good to see all you folks, Iron City guy and the rest of the crew. Uh, Pastor Terry, good to have you out there. You're probably out there patrolling the streets of Daytona this morning. And Lucy and Pastor Meredith and my dad, they're from Texas, and Cindy and the rest of the crew and all you lurkers out there that haven't logged on. Good to have you and our pastor friends that, that come back later and, and download these that are in other countries as well. We love you guys and appreciate you and appreciate your prayers as we pray for you as well. Father, we just come to you right now in the precious... Holy name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you today that we have access into that place of grace and mercy, Lord God. And it's not because of our own works. It's not because of our, our organization or our involvement in any particular thing. It's because of Jesus, Lord God. And I thank you today that it is still about the sufficiency of God's grace and mercy. And I thank you today, Lord God, that we can sit here and we can receive your word and we can, we can dive deeply, Lord God, into the things of God because of who Jesus is and who he is in us. And Father, I thank you today, Lord God, that that He does not reward us according to our transgressions or our iniquities, Lord God, but He's found mercy on us. And even as we've talked about this past week, Lord God, because of our faith in Jesus, because of the redemptive work of the cross, and and, and our, our 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 faith in that, Lord God, that 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 we're on the right side of judgment. That there is a buffer called the blood. There's a buffer called that name above every other name that that allows us, Lord God, to 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 be recipients not of the wrath of God, but of the mercy and the salvation, Lord God, of the cross of Calvary. So, Father, we come as a grateful people. We come as a, a joyous people, Lord God. Not joyous because of our circumstances and situations. We're joyous because of who we are in Christ Jesus. We, we're joyous, Lord God, and we have a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. We have a joy, Lord God, that's not dependent upon our circumstance, our living conditions, our possessions. But, Lord God, we, we, we have a joy because our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And even as I pray that, Lord God, I think about the disciples. They came back and they, they, they began to talk about how they marveled that even demons were subject to them in, in, in in your name. But he said, don't marvel at that, but rather that your names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. And Lord God, I marvel today that you found such a love and of a mercy for me, Lord Jesus, that today I can, I can sit here in confidence, Lord God, because my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And one day I'm going to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, not clothed in my own righteousness, not clothed in my own efforts, Lord God, not, not clothed, Lord God, in, in, in anything but the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And those books are going to be open according to the Word of God. And my name is going to be found written. And you're going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. And I thank you, Lord God, that I have that confidence and assurance today because of who Jesus is to me and what he's doing in my life. Lord God, and just how uh, indicative, Lord God, his spirit is and, and the things we say and do when we submit ourselves unto you. So thank you so much, Lord God. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, Lord God. And I pray for those that may be struggling in their relationship with you. And I just pray, Lord God, that you just begin to give them, just say, a greater revelation and understanding, Lord God, of what you desire to do in them. That they would just learn to, to cast their cares upon you, Lord God. They would know that you have a yoke and that's, uh, that's easy and a burden that's light, Lord God. That you desire to, to give them rest and hope, Lord God. And you desire to give them a peace that passes understanding or comprehension, Lord God. I, I thank you today that there's a God seated upon a throne of glory. And he's not about to scoot over or abdicate his throne because of any circumstance. I thank you, Lord God, that, that, that he is my way, my truth, and my life. And I know that there's no way to the Father except by Him. But He's my friend that sticks closer than any brother. And Father, I pray for those that have been sick in body and we just pray for the healing of the nations. I just thank You for the testimonies, Lord God, that have come out. Lord God, even as we talked about yesterday about Bethany there in New Orleans getting miraculously healed, Lord God, from that hepatitis C. Lord God, after she said, let the elders of the church pray for me. And God, just You stepped in and just did miracles because of the, the cross of Calvary. And so I pray for everyone else 
that's been sick or afflicted in their physical bodies. And we just ask, Lord God, that your word would go forth now, Lord God, to, to bring healing, Lord God, to physically, spiritually, emotionally, Lord God, psychologically, whatever it is, to the nations, Lord God. And we thank you for it. And we just submit ourselves unto you, Lord God. If there be any sin or wickedness, Lord God, if there anything in our heart, Lord God, regardless of how large or how small, we don't want anything to stand and, 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 and impede, Lord God, the flow of your spirit in and of our lives. There's just nothing worth it, Lord God. Nothing worth standing in opposition to you. Nothing worth being on the wrong side of judgment, Lord God. We don't we don't want to have any bitterness or wrath or unforgiveness, Lord God, or lust, Lord God, or, or anything that would, would be contrary to the holiness and righteousness of God. Any ambition, Lord God, any goals that would set us, Lord God, in, 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 in conflict, Lord God. And we pray for that healing, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We just continue to pray for these that are, um, that are needing healing, Lord God, by name today. Claudette, Lord God, from her burns, Lord God, and from uh, uh, Johnja, Lord God, that's uh, battling this, this uh, lung cancer. And we thank you, Lord God, that by your stripes they're healed. What you've done for one, that you'll do for another. And we just curse that sickness off of them right now and declare wholeness, Lord God, and power, Lord God, to come upon them, Lord God, because of what Jesus did. And we ask you to bless this time of, of the study in the Word, Lord God, that you just fill us with understanding and wisdom, Lord God, that you'd lead and guide us into all truth. And Father, I pray for a boldness, Lord God. I know that the hour is coming. I just, I just feel compelled, Lord God, to pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. There's such a there's there's a time coming, and it's now, Lord God, where we're going to face enormous persecution. And even as I, I believe you've showed me, Lord God, through this period of fasting and prayer, it's going to come from from within the ranks of what we call Christendom, Lord God, as there becomes that separation of the wheat and the chaff and the sheep and the goats. But Father, I pray, Lord God, my brothers and sisters have boldness, Lord God, not belligerence, but boldness, Lord God, and they would walk in righteousness, not in rightness, Lord God, that you would just strengthen us and encourage us, Lord God, to preach your word, Lord God, and and and, and not deviate from the truth, Lord God, but preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all our suffering and doctrine, Lord God, knowing that the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, Lord God, that you said they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned into fables, but you told us, Lord God, to endure all things and to do the work of an evangelist to make full proof of our ministry. And Father, that's what we want to do, Lord God. We want to endure all things, Lord God, and hold fast, Lord God, the profession of our faith without wavering, Lord God, allowing no man to steal our crowns. And all these things we give thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. You know, sometimes you can just get into the Lord, just get into be begin to pray. And so you know, folks, when you seek him, you're gonna find him. And he is there and he does he doesn't need you to have some special ambiance or, or some work up for it. Just call on his name. He is there and he is he he's he we call him a personal savior because he's personal. He knows who we are, he knows how we talk, he knows where we come from, he knows all these things. And so he's not waiting for us to to, to shake the oil decanter or to, to, to light the incense or to do any of those other things. He loves us, you know, and that's what you got to come to understand. God loves you in such a, a powerful, powerful way, and He desires to see just a change and transformation come in every single one of our lives, really taking us from glory to glory and to present us to Himself as a glorious church. So we want to be the glorious church of this day. So, folks, we're going to go, and if you got your Bibles today, if you're just joining us for the first time, don't forget, we're in the book of Romans, the ninth chapter of the Roman letter. And once again, a shout out to all you awesome Jesus-loving people out there. And for you, uh, those that don't love Jesus but want to know Him, uh, we're, we're here to introduce you to, to the one that we were introduced to, in some cases, many, many years ago. Folks, yesterday we spent the, the class... Uh, Dealing with the, really a great crisis that I think is facing uh, many who lay claim to have a relationship with Jesus, uh, or, or what we refer to as being saved or being born again or or, or whatever. And, and, but there's a crisis within that. If I can use the term terminology, of the community. I use the term Christendom. Really, it's kind of a blanket thing to anything that would pro, uh, profess Christ. Uh, but you know, there's there, there's such a a crisis that that we're, we're faced with. And if, if you don't see it, you're you're just you're blind. You're you really are, but there's an enormous crisis that's been growing. I, I know in in my two decades plus of, of being in ministry and and, and more than that of, of, of serving Jesus and, and and being in the Word that it's just been this growing dilemma, this this this, this crisis situation that that is really prophesied throughout the Word of God. You know, we see in uh, the the book of First Second Timothy, we see that in the last days that these perilous times will come, and and men will be uh, haters of those things that are good, and they'll be lovers of of, of evil. 
And so we see it. But what's funny is that we sit back and we scratch our head when we begin to see these things. We know that there's going to be a false Christ that arises. There's going to be a false church. There's going to be a wide gate gospel. But when we see them and we begin to point them at, people get all filled with fear and trepidation. Folks, listen, none of these things are by accident. None of these things are, are, are just happening by ha- chance or happenstance. God has seen all these things. But the, the good news is the Word says that, uh, that God does nothing except He first reveal it uh, through the voice of his prophets. And if you'll look in the Word, if you'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and look at those messengers and servants that God is raising up in this hour, you'll, you'll see exactly what the crisis situation is. And you'll know how to righteously respond to it in faith and, and not be uh, tossed about uh, like some having no hope. And so really the, the issue that we, we see so many times, and part of that crisis is with people finding fault with God uh, when, when their expectations are unmet. And it really is a that is part of the, the major crisis situation. So what happens is is there's this fault finding dilemma that that really has as its root uh, kind of a false prescript, uh, per, perception of what it means to be a Christian, and as a result, it, it brings about this uh, this misconception. And, and the ever really changing, uh, increasing perverted view of, of who Christ even is. And because if we have a, a, a misconception or a, 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 a mis, or a false perception of what it means to be a Christian, when those things don't pan out the way we think, or if that gospel that we heard in a stadium event or, or, or through whatever mechanism it was, it doesn't produce these promised results that someone gave us. That really the, the, the results are not promised by the scripture, but promised by, uh, by someone with some other type of spurious attitude or whatever else. Folks, listen, there's this dilemma and there's this crisis. People begin to find fault in God. And so what this has done, it's, it's given way to, to, to really what the Apostle Paul addressed at, uh, at the Church of Galatia when he began to talk about a, uh, another gospel in Galatians chapter 1. And that takes the language and really a perception of biblical Christianity. But what it does, it it eliminates this false gospel that's being preached. It eliminates all aspects of repentance, of self-sacrifice, and of holiness. And folks, really, just as evident as it was 2,000 years ago when it was penned right there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, when, when Paul the Apostle wrote it, if you'll look and if you'll really just open your eyes and admit it, these fallacies have, have continued to increase and they've become more and more perverse in comparison to the true gospel. But even as they become more per, more perverse, they become more subtle. And, and maybe they haven't become more subtle, but maybe we've just become more desensitized to these things or more accepting of things that claim to be Christian but really aren't. I was talking to someone in New Orleans the other day as I was visiting the city getting in preparation for our, our outreach there next week. And I said, it's amazing to me as I look at the Word and I, and I look at the standard of righteousness that the Word of God preaches versus how that standard of what's called Christianity today no more stands in comparison to, to what Christianity was when it was when it was birthed out of the blood of Jesus. Folks, listen, we've got to bring it back to that standard. Is it going to be difficult? Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard on us. Personally, I know it is on me as that standard's raised. But folks, we've got to come back to that standard that we're all going to stand and give an accountability to. And it can't be that, you know what, there's this false perception. So as long as something says it's Christ, it's really not. Matthew chapter 7 tells us that not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom, but those that do the will of our Father who is in heaven. So folks, it's not, a, it's not enough to say. There's many people that will say those things. and Many are called, but few are chosen. So we've got to come to that place where we're actually allowing the fruit of the Spirit and, and the fruit of the carpos fruit, the reproductive fruit of winning people to the kingdom to be made manifest in our life. Otherwise, what we're doing is we're, 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 we're caught up in that same cycle and this dilemma and this crisis that Paul the Apostle has been addressing here in the ninth chapter to the Jews. And so the question has got to be asked this. What has been the root cause of this fault finding uh, uh, with God or this you made me this way and you better like it mentality? And that's really what it comes down to. If if you're out in quote unquote the marketplace and uh, if you're out there where lost people are. Folks, listen, as much as I enjoy being here with you and preaching and teaching the word of God, I love it. You know, I, I love doing this because God, this is what God has called and commissioned and enabled me to do. But there's nothing that I like more than getting out there where Jesus would be uh, amongst the lost and the dying and preaching a word of life to them. But more often than not, if people have been exposed, and most people have, unfortunately, to this false gospel in the United States uh, and this North American and westernized uh, gospel, what happens? You, f- you find that fault finding. 
And you, you know, you'll have people so many times that they're bitter. They'll say, well, if God was so good, then why did my, my, my cousin die last week in a car accident? And I said, well, let me get some facts in the matter. I said, tell me the circumstances. Well, you know, he was coming home from a party. And, you know, his car, he lost control of his car and he hit a tree and he died. If God would have really been God, why did he let that happen? I said, well, number one, uh, was your cousin drinking or perhaps? Well, yeah. And so, you know, God didn't tell him to, to be legally drunk and get behind the wheel and drive. And see, but it becomes that type of thing. Well, well, God could have done this. Well, God gave him the, the, the free will choice. And the, the scripture says that no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God. And, and not to be drunk with wine, but rather filled with the Spirit. And so what people want to do is they want to find fault in God when their consequences of, the consequences of their sin begin to manifest themselves. Or they say, well, God just made me this way. So often when we deal with uh, people, especially in the, the homosexual community, it's like, well, you know what? I was born this way. Well, you know what? We were born. If you were, if you were, you were born not being able to speak either, and not being able to speak your language, but you had to learn and grow out of that. And it's the same thing with 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 whatever sin. You know, you, we're all born and conceived in, in in sin in our mother's womb, according to Psalms 51. But what happens is we don't have to be born again that way. And that's why Jesus came to change and to transform our hearts and lives. And so you see that. And so the best way to answer this question is to go really to the answer that Jesus provided when he when he when he sees it giving rise in the hearts and lives of really his very own disciples. And I want you to look at something. And we're really talking about this fault finding and if you made me this way type of mentality and really where it comes from. And we'll see that answer in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16 verses 21 through 25. And what you're going to see is just how closely all this ties into what we're looking at here in the Gospel of, excuse me, in the book of Romans chapter 9. And I want to read this verse and I'm tying this to uh, these two verses that we've talked about. Well, you say then unto me, why do you yet find fault? For who has resisted his will? No, but, O man, you art thou that replies against God. So the thing formed, say unto him that is formed, why have you made me like this? And so Matthew 16 through 21 through 25. I'm going to get to the root cause of why these things are happening and manifesting himself in this hour. And it says this. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. Suffer them from who? You notice that he didn't say, suffer them from the, uh, the heathen, suffer them from the unrighteous. Who did he say he was going to have to suffer things from? From the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, the religious authorities. Not just authorities. He didn't say, I'm going to suffer these things from the, the, the Roman uh, occupation or anything. He said, I'm going to, and we'd say, you know what, you're going to suffer these things from, quote unquote, the professing church or the Christian. That's exactly who he dealt with. And look what he said. He said, I'll suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And so here in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 16, uh, really Jesus mentions the two words that, that much of the modern church has eliminated from its pulpit vocabulary, and that is suffering and death. Those are just two things that you do not want to bring up if you're talking about serving Jesus. And so, because once these two subject matters are broached, folks, then the whole deceptive message of God has a wonderful plan for your life is thrown into disarray. Because you can't talk about a wonderful plan if you're talking about suffering. You can't talk about a wonderful plan if you're talking about death. And you can't talk about a wonderful plan if you're talking about persecution. So, who, let me ask you three questions. Who would give money to someone or a church that promises suffering. Really. If you say give your money and you're guaranteed suffering, it's not going to happen. What do they tell you? They tell you, well, if you give your money, then you're going to uh, fall into this seed time and harvest and you're going to get rich. You're going to have all these things. Give me your money and somebody else will give you theirs. Folks, listen, that, that's just not the gospel. Uh, or, or who would join a church that guarantees hard times? First church of the hard times. Have you ever noticed people always, these really happy names, you know, uh, happy church or, you know, uh, uh, sweet dreams, first church of Jesus or whatever. You know what, what about if it's first church of the persecuted uh, righteous or whatever else? Who's, who's going to join that? You know, you don't see a mega church with those type of names. Or who would come in mass to hear a message that assures you of tribulation or having to go through? In this world, you will endure tribulation. I, I said yesterday, I finally found the title of the book I'm working on, and I'm going to call it God Has a Wonderful plan for your death rather than God has a wonderful plan for your life because God does he wants us to die that he might live inside of us and so but but really folks those things are are, are the message of the New Testament there, there are hard times are suffering there are times of tribulation that is the promise and, and and goes beyond the promise that's our heritage and I love that. We were witnessing years ago out on the streets of, it's probably New Orleans during Mardi Gras, and we had a group out there preaching the gospel, and there were some folks coming by us, and one of the folks in this crowd, these were lost people, was about to come against us and begin to say something, and one of the, one of the, the friends that was with him grabbed him, and he stopped me and said, don't say anything to them people, they love you to persecute them. 
<laughs> you hear what I'm saying? He said, don't say anything to them. They love you to persecute them. Folks, you know why that is? Even the devil knows that the church thrives in the midst of persecution. That's why we've had this kind of this easy, happy-go-lucky, kumbaya, let's all get along, and, and, and Rodney King type of mentality that, you know what, we're all the same and it doesn't matter. Folks, it does matter. We're not all the same. He says, come out from among them and be separate and do not touch the unclean thing. We know that there's going to arise the, 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 the chaff among the wheat. There's going to be the goats among the sheep. We know that. And if we think for a minute that, 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 that it's just thinking about it, uh, is going to produce any type of righteousness. It's just not. It's not going to go away. We've got to know that there is a remnant, according to the election of grace that's called out. There is a narrow way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And so we can get together, and we can have our, our nice little meetings, and join hands, and sing a happy song. Folks, listen. He tells us what, uh, he says, uh, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? And what's that agreement got to be based on? It's got to be based upon the Word of God. And so, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 10, even talking about that, talking about this suffering, persecution, hard times. He says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted. Who's blessed? Those that are persecuted. Folks, listen, you'll never really know righteousness until you've known persecution. You really won't because until you know persecution, you're never to that place where you have to just abandon the, 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 all the, the attitudes and the, the longing of the sin nature and throw yourself upon the mercy of God. Until you suffer that persecution, you're never going to find your dependence upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords and His righteousness to carry you through every fire and every circumstance and every situation you're in. Folks, listen, to be persecuted is, is the Greek word dioko. And it, it literally means to be heroic. Harassed to the degree that you have to run for your life. And so, listen to what it says. Blessed are they which are harassed to the degree that they have to run for their lives. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When's the last time because of righteousness, because of standing for truth, that you had to run for your life? That you had to, that you had to run out of the church house for your life because you stood for righteousness? Uh, when's the last time that you had to run out of a work spot because people were coming against you and, and you were standing for righteousness? Think about that. Blessed are they that are harassed to the degree that they have to run for their lives because of, of the threat of, of, of the harassment that's coming upon them. Folks, listen, you don't see that in the modern uh, westernized church. It's, it's a message that doesn't say run for your life. It says run to hold on to your life. And so this isn't what some, this is, this isn't what some preachers say is happening to them when someone questions erroneous doctrine. And, and so they're, they're, most pastors that are preaching a false doctrine, they, they, they won't say, listen, I'm being harassed for this, because they're really not. They're being harassed for preaching false doctrine. And what this is, is when you are coming under such opposition that it's no longer safe physically or spiritual for you to remain where you are. And, and you may think to yourself, well, what is that? You know, I get calls all the time from people all across the country that say, listen, this is what's going on in my church. What's your opinion? I say, really, I don't have an opinion, but let's look what the the word of God says. Let's take it to the scripture. And they say, listen, this it's a hostile environment for righteousness. They'll say they've been getting, seeing some things that are really bringing immorality into the church or false teaching or whatever else. And they say, you know what? I've gone to the pastor and I've said, pastor, we need to sit and reason together and look at the word. And so they've been called rebellious. They've been called, they, they said they lack submission and all these things. And really what they're doing is they're going and they're saying, well, pastor, the word says this. But here's what's coming off the pulpit. I need you to explain this. And what they're finding is that pastors are not willing to say, come and challenge me on my teaching. Folks, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying just the opposite of that. You're obligated, if you hear something come across this desk or come across this venue that's wrong, you can either stay in this, uh, in this format and talk to me. You can, you can uh, email me at raven at com and talk to me about it. You can call me up on the phone, whatever it is. If you live close by, you can, you, can, you can discuss that. And we'll come and reason together because we're in the pursuit of the truth. We're not pursuit... In, in pursuit of, of proving our point or anything else, we want to stand in this. And so there's this harassment that's, that's greatly coming as you continue to walk in holiness and righteousness that's going to come. Then he said in Matthew 24, 9, now listen to what he said. He said that they shall deliver you up to be afflicted. He said they will kill you and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now how, how's that for a... Uh, 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 for really kind of the inheritance of the believer. He said, i got good news for you folks. Come and follow me. You're going to be afflicted. They're going to kill you and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Folks, listen, listen that word afflicted it doesn't just mean, you know what, you're just going to kind of be limping a little bit. It's the thalipsis. And it really means to be placed into a place... Uh, put into a place of anguish. He said, man, it's going to be a place of anguish. What the church has uh, been taught to do is, if it's anguish, that means you must be outside the will of God. If you're going through type of any type of anguish, or you're suffering any type of lack, if you're battling any type of opposition, that means you're outside the will of God. Well, Jesus said, if you're following Him, that you will be 
afflicted. You will be thlipses and you'll be placed into a place of anguish and they will kill you. And what's, I love the, what's, what that word uh, kill is in the Greek. And it means that they'll kill you any way possible. They're not even selective about it. They'll, they'll kill you with their hands. They'll kill you with their words. They'll kill you with disassociation. They'll kill you by trying to wreck your reputation. They'll, they'll kill you in any way possible is what that shall kill you means. And it says you shall be hated. And that is miseho. And it means to be utterly detested. They will put you in a place of anguish. They will destroy you any way possible. Talk about you. Kill you. Put you out. And you will be utterly detested. So folks, listen. Jesus' promise was really a far cry from what the author of this bestseller uh, that came out uh, this couple years ago that says, have your best life now. And here's what he had to say about being a Christian. I want to read this. And we've talked about him specifically. And I won't, I won't throw his name out here today because I don't want some people to get upset with me. Actually, I don't care. His name's Joel Osteen. He wrote the book. Uh, look at me trying to backslide into compromise. I'm not going to do that. Anyway, here's what he wrote in his book. He said, I've come to expect to be treated differently. I've come to expect people to want to help me. My attitude is this. I'm a child of the Most High God. My Father has created the whole universe. He's crowned me with favor. Therefore, I can expect preferential treatment. I can expect people to go out of their way to help me. Now, listen, I want to read that again. But I want to first contrast it with Matthew 24.9. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted. They will kill you. You will be hated for my name's sake. Then, then Mr. Osteen says, I come to expect to be treated differently. I, I do too, but evidently not the way he expects to be treated. I've come to expect people to want to help me. My attitude is this. I'm a child of the Most High. My Father has created the whole universe. He's crowned me with favor. Therefore, I can expect preferential treatment. I can expect people to go out of their way to help me. Now, listen to what uh, Jesus said in, 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 in whom they claim to represent. Here's what he said in John 15, 16. He said, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world... Therefore, the world hates you. If you were of the world, the world would give you preferential treatment. If you were of the world, they would go out of their way to help you. If you were of the world, people would want to help you. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, the world hates you or the world will afflict you. They will kill you and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Folks, so much for preferential treatment. The preferential treatment of the, of the saints of God is affliction. It is, it is, they will kill you. It's to be persecuted. It's to be detested. You know what? And, and that's not bad news. It's just like the people that said, don't talk to those guys out here witnessing. They love to be persecuted. Absolutely. I love to identify with the sufferings of Christ. He said if we identify with that, then one day we'll also be able to identify with His glory. Then we're talking here in Matthew 16, 21-25 in regards to what we've been talking about out of uh, uh, Romans chapter 9, 19-20. And, and so it continues in verse 22. He said, Then Peter took Jesus aside. After what? After he told him that, listen, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and these religious people are going to persecute me, I'm going to suffer many things, and they're going to kill me. So Peter took him to the side and, and it says in verse 22, it says, And began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this will not happen to you. He said, No way! It ain't going to happen to you. And folks, this is what Christians should be... Uh, uh, it, Talk to, this is how we should talk with Christianity. And this is what's being said. And he's saying, you know what? It's not going to happen to you. Uh, you don't have to go through it. You're going to get preferential treatment. Folks, listen. Jesus was telling him, listen, here's exactly what the, what the heritage of the saints of God is. And he said, you should... So Peter was basically taking him to the side and saying, listen, all you should be able to expect when you go into Jerusalem is favor and preferential treatment. Isn't that exactly what Peter was saying? It's far be it from me. It's not going to happen to you. You're, 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 the, you're the child of the king. Look at it. I'm a, I'm a child of the Most High. Who was the ultimate child? Who was the only begotten Son of God? Who is the child of the Most High? We're just adopted. It was Jesus. But Jesus didn't say, I'm going to go in and get preferential treatment. I'm going to go in and everybody's wanting to help me. He said, I'm going to go in and they're going to, I'm going to suffer many things and they're going to kill me. And so then it says in verse 23, after Peter said this, it's not going to happen to you, after he wrote his little chapter in his book, it says, but he turned and said to Peter, he said to who? He didn't just say up into the air, he didn't say to some arbitrary spirit that was floating around. He said to Peter, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, you, identifying Peter with Satan, you are an offense to me. He said, because you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. So he said to Peter, not just like I said out in the air, uh, not as some general generic statement, but he addressed the one who said it head on. 
the person that was that was speaking those, Jesus addressed him by name. You hear what I'm saying? And so that's when I, I say these names. I've got to address them by name because that's the pattern Jesus set. And so what he did, he identified the spirit that Peter was operating in. Uh, and he said, you're operating in the spirit of Satan. You're operating in the spirit of Antichrist. You're opposite, operating in opposition to the kingdom message that I've come to preach. And he said, as a result of that, you've become an offense to me. You are offensive. You are the, the scandalon is the word in the, in the Greek. You are a stumbling block and you are an, an impediment to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about putting us, ourselves in that type of situation. But folks, anytime you adopt that mentality of, of saying, finding fault with God or saying, well, you made me this way or even going to the extreme that we've talked about or saying, listen, that I deserve preferential treatment. Nothing's going to touch me. Blah, 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 blah. You put yourself literally in opposition to the, to the, to the Word of God and to the standard of righteousness. And in, obviously you put it in opposition to being identified with Christ Jesus. And so, you're trying to avoid the subject of sin and suffering and persecution. What it does, it aligns you with the devil himself. You hear what I'm saying? Anytime you try to avoid the subject of sin, you avoid the subject of hell, you avoid the subject of suffering, of persecution, of anguish, of being detested by the world. Basically what you do is you align yourself just as Peter did in the 23rd verse of Matthew chapter 16. You identify and align yourself with the devil. Because you are not mindful, listen to what he said, because you are not mindful of the things of God, but rather you are mindful of the things of men. Folks, listen. If your gospel becomes man-centered and man-focused and man-pleasing, then you are in opposition to the things of God. And so anytime we try to build our churches, our ministries, whatever we want to call them, around man-pleasing, which much of it is, folks, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves at odds. How can we make people more comfortable? How can we make people not have to suffer? How can we make people do this and that? Folks, listen, if you identify with Christ, you're going to be hated. And I think we just need to tell people straight up, listen, you need to come to Christ, you're going to have eternal life. But in the process, you're going to be hated. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose family. You're going to lose associates. You're going to lose all these things as a result of that. But there's a promise in eternity, and that's eternal life. He'll wipe every tear from your eye, and he'll look into your life and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And so, uh, once again, that don't get them flocking. That don't get them pouring money into it. But I tell you what, one day you're going to be able to stand before Him and you're going to be able to ascend to the hill of the Lord because you've got clean hands and a pure heart. Then He goes on to say in Matthew 16, verse 24, it said, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, anyone who wants to be My disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake, ba-ba-bam, is going to find it. And so folks, listen. When things go contrary, really, to this, this gospel of a wonderful life or, or this all your troubles are gone and that you are, uh, that because you repeated the magic prayer or, uh, and all this type of mentality or this Jesus mantra type thing, then people are only left with one thing on their mind. If, if things go, go terribly wrong, it's that God failed, failed to keep up your end of the bargain. That's really what you're saying. You're saying, God, you failed to keep up your end of the bargain because the preacher or the pastor or the guy on television or whatever else told me that I'm going to have a wonderful life because I'm about my best life now. It's going to be great and God's going to fix everything for me. And so I would never, folks, literally, literally you'd think to yourself, I would have never come to Christ if I'd have been told that up front. That's what people, are, that's what people would say to you. If, if you go to them later and say, listen, you're a Christian. You're just going to have to go through those things. You're going to be hated. What they're going to say is, why would I have ever become a Christian if the only promise for me was being detested and being hated? And folks, many people know that that are propagating this false gospel. They're saying, well, I can't tell them that. Uh, then what's that going to do for my, my membership? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring them in and tell them everything's going to be sweet. And, and slowly I'll break the bad news to them. But they just never get around to breaking. And it's not bad news, it's good news. And, and so they never come around to giving them the good news. It's like, maybe I can get them in here and I can get them real moral, I can get them real nice and things, hopefully. But they cease to be, and they never become, really, the movers and the shakers and the history makers because whatever they're, 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 what they're brought into is, is, is something that's going to pervert them even more. And so, you know, we, we don't demand that they walk in righteousness uh, rather than hating the, saying that they're going to be hated and persecuted. We need to say, listen, up front, you come to Christ Jesus, it's going to cost you everything, even your life. Folks, listen. I've been to the church growth seminars. I've been to those. I've been and I've read the church planning manuals. I've attended mega churches with the smiling face greeters and, and the, you know, all the, the happy-go-lucky things with the coffee bars and the sin-friendly sermons. And I've seen all that. 
And all they seek to, and all of those things have always sought to avoid anything that could be construed as negative or difficult. Period. They don't want to bring anything. They want to keep it positive. They want to bring all these things up just to keep it positive. And so that, that this only leaves the modern church with the impossible task of making things even more comfortable, more flesh friendly, and more like the world that they're competing against for their, really their entertainment dollar. And that's really what's happened, folks. The church, the modern church in many cases, not in every case, obviously, but in many cases, what they're doing is they're com- uh, competing against the world for the entertainment dollar. Now look what they do. Let's get into the most multimedia. Let's get the softest pews because we want to we want to have theater-like seating because we know that we would rather them come here and spend their, their money in the thing rather than spend their 8 or $10 on a, on a theater ticket. And so what we're going to do is we want to put all these amusements. We have these our family life centers. Ain't nothing wrong with basketball. But folks, if, if really, if the only way that I can win people the kingdom is through basketball, I've not won them into the kingdom. I've won them to the hard courts. Uh, somebody told me the other day that a pastor had told him, I guess the church he was at, said they, they had about six youth. And he said, we, we need to raise this $10,000 so we can convert and get all this video equipment, put these video games in to get the youth in. Folks, listen. It's not going to be Sonic the Hedgehog that's going to save our children. It's going to be Jesus the Christ. And any time we begin to, to think that it's going to be PlayStation 2 or, or the Wii, yeah, it's going to be the Wii, but it's not WII. It's going to be we going all the world and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because those that, are, that, that, that don't hear, they're going to be damned and condemned to hell. And so we've got to go do something, not virtual reality, but we've got to get out there in the reality that people are dying and going to hell, and we've got to do something about that. So they, they want to compete for this entertainment dollar, and so as a result, they become more like the world, more flesh-friendly, more more comfortable, uh, more reflective of the principles, more like Peter was right there in Matthew 16, that he was more concerned with the things of man rather than the things of God. And I've said it, and I'll say it again, whatever you win them with is what you're going to win them to. And so if I'm winning them with my, my, my entertainment, I'm winning them to an entertainment type of mentality and I'm going to continue to have to keep that up. But I've won them to the blood of Jesus and I win them through the cross. He said He's able to keep those things that we commit to Him. And if we preach the gospel, they're really saved and we're not having to chase them around doing follow-up and all these other things. What we can do is preach the gospel. We know that the Spirit of God is going to change and convict them. And so folks, listen, I personally came into a relationship with Jesus knowing, and I'm talking on a personal level now, I came in uh, on a personal nev- level, knowing full well that walking him with him would cost me my friends, I knew that it would cost me my ambitions. I knew that it would cost me my popularity, and, and maybe one day it would cost me my 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 very uh, life in itself. And you know what? Knowing that, he hadn't let me down one bit. You know what? I've had many friends that, that didn't want to be my friends. I've had many acquaintances that didn't want to be my acquaintances. I had much popularity that I no longer enjoy. Ambitions that I wanted to, to hold to and things that I wanted to do that I didn't get to do. Why? Because I chose to serve Jesus Christ. But folks, listen. In the midst of all of those things, there's just something that just keeps me keeping on. You know what it is? There's something that keeps me trusting. There's just something that, that gets me focused on the one that brought, bought me with a price and delivered me from the fires of there's something inside of me that says even though I suffer persecution I press on even though I I may have to go through hard times I'm pressing on there's something and someone inside of me that causes me to look beyond my circumstances and see that there's a greater reality than what I see and it's what God has said He's never let me down in His faithfulness and He's never never let me down in in His promises that says I'm going to be hated that I'm going to be persecuted. That I'm going to be spied. I've been through this. I've had, I've, I've had people spit in my faces. I've had people ridicule me. I've had people try to attack me physically. Praise God for it. But I sit here today as, as, as a child of the King, identifying with Christ Jesus, and I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who died for me and gave His life and His mercy for me today. So if, if that's the kind of Jesus you want, man, I'll tell you what, the Word is full of that Jesus. If you're wanting the wonderful life Jesus, you might want to go to your uh, neighborhood bookstore and look at the New York Times bestsellers list because there's plenty of that version of Jesus there as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 7-9 says this. 2 Corinthians 4, 7-9. It says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God may be, uh, may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Okay? We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. In other words, we're going through some things. Whatever we're facing, whatever you have to endure, whatever problem you may have to go through, he says, listen, take heed and do not let your adversary, the devil, 
talk you into the mindset of either blaming or finding fault with God or taking the attitude of tough, this is who He's made me, you just need to get over it because this is who I am. I, I remember we went through Hurricane Katrina and the, the storm waters came and the levees broke and all of our furniture and things that was downstairs in our house got flooded. And I had people calling me up on the phone when, the, when finally they were able to get sales service. And they were like so despondent, oh, I can't believe y'all went through this and all these things. And I was so happy. I said, man, this is, this is the best day of my life. I said, man, we're seeing hundreds of people come to Jesus. I said, yeah, we lost a car. We lost furniture. We lost appliances. We lost things. But really, none of that stuff really has any value when you get to see hearts and lives change. We're pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We are blessed beyond the circumstances, blessed beyond the curse, blessed beyond our situations. Why? Because we know... That, that we serve a God who cannot fail. So, folks, listen, the fault finders, the, those that say, God, I'm just this way, you're just going to get over it. You, if you're really God, you're just going to have to love me. Folks, listen, those, those mindsets will set you at odds against the kingdom. And so that, that brings us to verse 21 this morning. It says this, it says, Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Folks, really, when I look at that and I say, does not the potter, in verse 21 of Romans 9, have, have power over the clay, the same lump to make one a vessel unto honor and the other unto dishonor? What it does, it takes me all the way back to the beginning. It takes me back to Genesis 2.7. In Genesis 2.7 says this, it says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed his nostrils into the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That, that word that it says that man out of the dust of the ground, in the Hebrew, it can also be translated as clay. And so, man, uh, God formed man out of the clay that was taken from the ground. Folks, listen. We're the clay. He is the potter. And he's able to make from that same lump a lump of, uh, of a vessel unto honor and one unto dishonor. And so, he is saying God is like a potter who gathers together the dust of the earth and combines it with the water of his word. Who's the word? Jesus is that word. The washing of the water is the word. To form that which he will or he desires. And folks, listen. Because of who he is, he has the power to make it of what He desires and what He wills. And the good news is, is what God wills is always perfect, every single time. So whatever He forms is formed into the best possible object for the best possible results. Folks, sometimes I can think to myself, God, man, it would really been nice if I could have had to avoid going through this trial. But I know in the midst of it that that's the, that was the perfect trial for me. God, I'd rather not have to endure this, this, this hardship, but I knew that that hardship was the perfect hardship for me. That hardship was going to make me decrease and cause God to increase. It's going to cause me to throw myself upon Him and upon His mercy. And so I said, God, thank you so much for creating me that way. Thank you for, for, for allowing me to go through this. And thank, thank you, Lord God, for me having to endure these things because I know in the midst of it, you're just creating something. You're, you're putting me in the perfect situation for what you're wanting to do to bring the best possible results. Now, do you say that? Are you able to say that? Are you, or do you say to yourself, God, why do I have to go through this? Rather than saying, thank you, God, for letting me go through this. That needs to be our attitude. God, thank you so much for allowing me to be persecuted, for allowing me to, to be despised, for allowing me to, to, to be in a situation that's so tough that I'm having to flee from my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Man, praise God for that. Man, that's, that's how I want my heart to always be. That God, I get to identify with Him. Hey, where are you going on vacation? Man, I'm going to a place where I'm going to have to suffer many, many things. And, and man, they're going to try to kill me. And you call that vacation? Oh yeah, I call that vacation. Because that's where I get to get in that place of environment of being identified with Christ Jesus. And so, folks, listen. Anything that He puts us through, and if we're trusting Him, if we're walking in Him, we belong to Him, it's, it's putting us in the best possible and perfect situation to work something out in our lives. And so, notice though that this clay is taken from the same lump, which speaks of something originated from the same source and having the same potential qualities. That's what He's saying in verse 21. And so it's, it's so important in the view of the second part of this verse, it says one vessel is created into the honor and the other dishonor. Folks, what this doesn't say is that it, it, what it's not telling you is that God has predestined some to be righteous and some to be unrighteous. But really, just the exact contrary. What he's saying is you've been taken from the same source, you've been given the same qualities with the same potential and the same opportunities, but some of those created will choose the path of dishonoring God and the, and the potter in this case. And some will make the decision to choose to honor the potter because one of the qualities of this lump that it's extracted of was the ability to choose to follow God or to choose to reject God. Basic. 
That's one of the qualities that's in the lump. He's choosing them. Within that lump, he's saying, I want to create something. And now you've got the choice of whether I'm going to be something that's going to honor God or dishonor God. Uh, Deb and I was discussing this morning the issue of authority. And I think it was interesting that we were talking about it then. And that sometimes when we say the word authority, it carries such a negative connotation that, that some people bristle when they hear the word authority and, and the companion word uh, submission. You know, oh, submission, authority. Oh, what does that mean? They're, you know what? I'm going to have to come under somebody's thumb or whatever else. Praise God. You know, I get to come under the, the hand of the, the mighty God. And so they, they associate those words, authority and and, and, and words like submission with, with words that are, are, are like control or, or dominance or something like that. Folks, listen, it couldn't be anything from the truth. When the potter, when we give the potter the authority to make with our lives that which he finds most pleasing to himself, then what we're going to find out is there's absolute nothing negative about the subject of authority. Because this authority, what it does, authority releases power. Can I say that again? Write it down. Authority releases power. How can I say that? Because I know what 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7. I read part of it just a second ago and I read it again. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of His glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Earthen is ostrakinos and it means clay. We are that clay on the potter's wheel. Why? That the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. Folks, when I walk under authority, when I walk in submission to God's plan, when I walk in submission to the hands of the potter, what happens? It releases power into my life. If you've said to yourself, man, I need, I need power to come into my life. I, need, I want the manifestation. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to get under the authority of God's Word. You're going to have to get out to the authority of this wonderful life mentality and say, listen, God, I want it. The, the disciples that He promised would suffer persecution, would be hated, they were the one raising the dead. They were the one opening blinded eyes. They were the one casting out devils. They were the one prophesying and speaking with new tongues. People are saying, well, why, why don't we see that today? Because we don't see authority today. We don't see the dedication and the willingness to lay down your life and to become uncomfortable for 15 minutes. And so what they do is they say, well, we're going to have a one-hour service and we're going to have about 15 minutes because that's the attention span of people. And we're going to have a little coffee time and we're going to have this and that. Folks, listen. If that's your commitment, that's going to be the level of your power. Your power is going to be relegated to the caffeinization of your Starbucks drink. That's all the power you're going to have. You're not going to have the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you, raising the dead, uh, laying hands on the sick and seeing people healed of cancer, unless you're willing to be identified with the, the, under the accountability and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're never going to walk in the power of that. Why? Because He has brought us and put that power and, and put that, that requirement in earthen vessels in the clay upon the wheel to be honoring to Him that the power may be of God and not of us. Folks, listen. That the excellency of the power or the standard of the power or the level of the power will be derived and measured by that which God has in us through our submission to Him. And so what Paul was trying to say to those in Rome, and really what the Word is saying to you and I right here and now, is that you, you can have it one of two ways. You can allow God to take the components of your life and create a masterpiece, or you can take the same elements and take your best at shot at making something, but really, when it comes down to it, only one really knows their way around the potter's wheel, and it's Him. You don't know your way around the potter's wheel. You can say to yourself, well, that looks easy enough. I can do that. And folks, I, I love that picture of, of the potter and the clay because after the pottery is, is fashioned into whatever it's going to be, it, you know what it's allowed to do after that? You take it. I don't know if you've ever made pottery, but you take it and you... I remember in school we'd make pottery. We'd take it... No, you didn't fire it right off the bat. You set it on the shelf and you let it cure. You had to let it dry, and what it did, it cured those things. And so he takes it, lets it cure, then it's placed within the kiln to be fired. And then after that, it's taken out, and it, all the detail work, all the, the, all the things that are put upon that you can either shellac it, or you can put whatever type of coating or, or de, uh, decor on the outside of it that you want to. But first, it's, it's, it's formed, then it's, it's set on a shelf, then it's, it's fired, and then it's decorated. Then it's adorned with all those things that God has. And so I love that picture. But here's what happens. Most people want to come to, to Jesus looking really to be adorned. Yeah. 
All they want to come in, I've got a wonderful life, I've got a wonderful plan, gimme, 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 bless me, bless me, bless me, without being willing to go through the process that it takes to get there. Folks, I'm blessed the Lord Jesus Christ. Do I got, am I rich? Do I have a great place, to, a, a mansion, or do I have a, a brand new car? I don't have any of those things, but I am so blessed. There is not a person walking around that I would change, trade places with. Literally. The things that God has allowed me to see, the lives that God has, has allowed me to share His Word with that have been saved, uh, the places that I've been able to go, and the things that God has, has revealed to me, and just how much he, there's not a, I can't think of anybody I wouldn't trade places with Bill Gates or, or anyone else with, with any situation anybody on television I would not trade places with anybody because I am so grateful for every one of the opportunities that God has given me at this moment in my life period That's, I'm, I'm happy about it so, and I'm, I was willing to go through that process for it so folks listen that is what discipleship really is all about it's taking a life and applying the hands of the potter to the clay which is the word and the spirit and allowing it to cure, or, or mentoring it, and investing in it, and then taking it into the fire where it can be tested for any faults or abnormalities. And so, folks, really, that's what it's about. It's about taking it and allowing God to fashion it and investing. And so, that, what are we doing here today? As we sit and, and invest in this, many people that are here with us today, I know you personally. I, I share with you. I'm on the phone with you. I'm in person with you. I, I, I invest into your life. I, I say, hey, here's what something God has taught me. Learn from learn from my mistake. Don't make the same one. Here's a way you can get around those type of things. Mentoring, investing. That's that's that shelf time. Then it's going into the fire. God putting you into a situation that's going to reveal any cracks, any abnormalities, anything that would cause you to, to, to wither, die, to fall away from Him later. And so if it survives the firing process, then it's taken out and adorned with detail or, or, or given authority and presented as a finished product. And, and, it doesn't, uh, and if it doesn't survive the firing process, you know what it's done? It's broken into pieces and the process starts all over. Folks, listen... It, back in, in I knew what God had called me to do from the time I was 15 years old. Literally, I, I knew that I knew that I knew. And I spent about two, three years after that doing everything under my power to walk in rebellion and to convince God that He had made a horrible mistake, that He had chosen the wrong person. God is long-suffering, though, and, and that God continues to seek me out. Unfortunately, I didn't go through all the, the, the drug addiction, all these weird things and terrible things that some people go through. I, I went through my own share of rebellion, though. So God took me through this process. Then, then He took me through another. He took me through that, that, that firing process. I knew what He called me to do. I knew where He called me to go. But I had a period of, 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 of well over 10 years that God put me in, in a situation that taught me so many things. And it was, a quote-unquote, a local pastorate. I, I went through and saw things, endured things, and, and, and had to trust God through these situations that I would not take for. Literally, put me in, a, in, a, in, the, in the ghetto, put me in a situation where... Uh, the, the building was always cold in the winter and hot in the summer and, and the resources were low. But God said, here's what I want you to do. And we saw God's faithfulness in that. I, I remember when Melanie and I were uh, moved to, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana and I was in Bible college. Man, we had no money. She was sick. All these things. We had to trust God every single time. That was the firing process. That was the thing that God was burning up, uh, uh, doing the things in my life and, and revealing things that I needed to deal with. And I praise God for every one of those type of things. And so when people get cracked... Through that process, uh, because they either it will come off the wheel too early, or they're impatient with the process. Folks, do not grow impatient with the process that God's taking you through. Some of you are, are in that situation. You feel like you're just in a waiting game. God, I'm doing what you told me to do, but I just feel like I'm just in a waiting game. It's just like, you know what? What do I... Folks, be patient. If there's anything that I can invest in you, that, that God's invested in me, is just be patient. Just trust God. Occupy until He comes. Do as much as you can right now with as much as you've got right now. And as God invests more in you, do more with that. But don't, don't try to press yourself into a situation that you can't do. But trust God that He's going to deliver at that moment exactly what you need for that moment. In verse 22 it says, What if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Folks, really, that, that really flies in the face of those teaching or believing in predestination because what it shows is that God is long suffering even to those vessels that were dishonorable. Do you hear me? His mercy towards them reveals that even though they have chosen the course of destruction, that He still stands with a willingness to forgive and redeem them right up to the very end. That's the good news. It's really like the parable of the vineyard owner who, who hired some people in the, in the morning for one price and hired some people late in the day for the exact same price. And at the end of the day, the wage was all the same. And that's what he's saying right there in verse 22. He's saying, listen, God loves you. And look how God, He's willing to, 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 to show His wrath and to make His power known 
and endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fit destruction. He's saying, listen, I'm willing to carry it out all the way to the end. I'm willing to show my mercy. Even though I, they're, they're fitted for wrath, even though they're walking in destruction, I'm still merciful towards me. In verse 23 it says, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had uh, afore prepared unto them. Guys, listen, all these things, you know what they're for? They're so that He can make known the riches of His glory. That way He can present us to Himself a glorious church, a bride without spot or blemish. That way when we come and, he, and we're the bride of Christ and we're right there at that marriage supper of the Lamb, that we are adorned and, and He brings us and He gives us this promise. He says, Listen, folks, you're going through some things now. But this life is like a vapor. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. If you'll just endure, if you'll press through, that there's a prize that you're going to attain. And He really describes it so wonderfully in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 11. He said, It is written, Eye is not seen, ear is not even heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Folks, listen, you've got to come to the place just like that. You haven't seen them. You don't know it. We can't describe it. We can get kind of an idea or kind of a, a, a little bit of a, a dark image of what it's going to look like. But folks, listen. You can't imagine what God is preparing for you. You cannot imagine the glory and the splendor of what eternity is going to be like for Him. All the suffering, anything that you've endured now, you'll never remember that thing after a nanosecond in the presence of God. You've got to trust Him with what you put into His hands. And I'm going to close with this illustration. Years ago, I, I took a guy off the street. That, that he was actually in, in a drug deal and the, the drug dealers tried to kill him. And his dad called me and he, and he told me, he said, he's hiding out somewhere where you go help him. And so I got to this, this guy and literally he'd been drugged behind a car. They tried to kill him. And so his, his shirt was literally glued to him where he'd put a t-shirt on. And he was sitting in an empty apartment and he had already sold everything he had to buy uh, drugs and his drug deal went bad. And, and so he was there and I, we, and I took him in. And we, we, we discipled him, got him back. The guy owns his own business now and doing uh, many, many neat things. But what, what, was, what was neat about that situation, after he had finished our discipleship and, and went out of his own, he said, he said, Pastor, I want to do something for you. Now, at the time I had this old uh, Suburban, it ran good and everything, but it was, the, the outside of it was just terrible. I mean, the paint was all faded and everything. And, but this guy was very skilled. He was a, a potter in the, uh, in the paint and body field. Very talented in that respect. And he said, Pastor, he said, listen, he said, I want to do something for you. He said, let me take and paint your truck for you. And he said, I want to do it for you. I want to pay for it the whole nine yards. I want to do all the work. And he said, but I'm just asking you one thing. He said, just let me do whatever I want to to it. And I said to myself, you know what? I know this guy's very skilled in what he does. I've seen his work. And I know that really my, my, my truck doesn't look very good right now. And... Okay, do whatever you want to to it. So I didn't tell him paint scheme. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him anything. And so he took it. And he spent the next couple of weeks totally putting a custom paint job, probably a, a paint job that would probably have cost six thousand dollars or more if someone just had it done. I mean, the, and the truck came back beautiful, literally. I mean, it was. Be- I, if I would have sat down, I could not have described how this in, in respect to saying here's how I want it. I, I would have never come up with this. It was far beyond what anything that I would have comprehended. It was, it was a beautiful truck. It had our Raven logo, ministry logo on the hood and all these I mean it's really a tremendous truck and and so he brought it back but I trusted him and as a result of trusting him with something that was of value to me what happened I got something way beyond my comprehension folks listen you've got to learn to trust God in the same way you've got to say listen God I want to trust my clay the clay of my life into the hand of the potter not saying okay God here's my plan I want you to do it but really saying God listen I want the desires of my heart to be the desires of your heart and I want to trust you and I want to believe you stand in faithfulness for that outcome in Jesus' name. Folks, we're totally out of uh, time today, but we're going to be back tomorrow. Don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another installment of the Raven Nation. Uh, then we're going to, uh, excuse me, Raven Institute. Then we're going to be out for two weeks from this program uh, till the 11th, February the 11th, when we're going to be back. But folks, I've got one bit of advice for you today as we close out the program. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you. <laughs>